Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This podcast may contain, but is not limited to, strong language, sexual content, violence, and death. This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Crystal. Welcome Welcome to to Crime Crime Night. Night. Tonight's episode is about Katie Locke. Katie Locke was 23 years old. Her parents were Bill and Jennifer Locke. She was the youngest daughter of three. She was actually a surprise baby, so she was quite a bit younger than her two older sisters. Her sister, Karen, actually had cancer and she did pass away. And Katie was with her every step of the way and she was actually babysitting her children while she had passed away. Uh, The other sister's name was Michelle. Katie studied history and politics at Southampton University. Katie worked as a history and politics teacher at the Cardinal Pole School, which was located in Hackney, East London. Katie was described as a wonderful person. Like millions of others, Katie joined a dating site. The site that she joined was plentyoffish.com, which was launched in 2003. By 2015, it was sold to the Match Group, which has a lot of other dating sites such as match.com among others and it was reported to be sold for 575 million dollars so it is a lucrative Mm. business and plenty of fish was actually one of the first free online dating sites that were offered an an upgraded membership for a fee there have been over 150 million users on plenty of fish since it launched an interesting fact in 1995 uh, the world's first online dating website was actually launched by match.com the company was actually founded two years prior to that but it took them two years to get the website up and launched so i thought that was pretty neat Mm -hmm. information i didn't realize that dating sites have been around for that long like they're very popular today but i didn't yeah, was, I had never heard of them in the 90s. There was actually back in 1965, there was a couple of students from like Harvard or one of those schools that actually did kind of like a little um, online survey kind of thing. And they did the algorithm to match people together that way. And they took like 49 people or something like that, male and female, and they had them fill out the survey and then they matched them through that, which I thought was very interesting way back then that they were even thinking about doing this type of technology well in the early 2000s i was too young to be dating (laughs) but i do remember they had like the like in movies and stuff they had like where they had the dating like companies like where you'd go in there and make like a little vhs video of (laughs) of yourself yeah and and they'd match you with somebody or they'd have like events i remember this they used to have um love connection and people would send in the vhs's so i guess it was kind of like the tv Something show like love that, connection yeah. too in december of 2015 katie met carl langdell who was a 26 year old from chestnut hertfordshire and he presented himself as an upstanding young man who you know was wealthy and successful he presented himself as having done a journalism internship as well as owning his own successful law firm called Lingdell Legal Associates, which he started in August of 2015. So at 
still at 26 years old. Which I find that hard to believe. I mean, 26 year old being a lawyer, I would figure they need more schooling than that. Just and owning your own firm. That's you have to have, you know, clients and you have to build that over years. It takes people years to yeah, it seems be able like to accomplish you have that. To go through a lot more before you get to own your own firm yeah but he actually did not own his own firm mm -hmm. uh the person he presented himself as was not who he really was and he also mm -hmm. had a blog titled ordinary decent human which he referenced humanitarianism issues on there and published poetry katie and carl exchanged messages through that plenty of fish Dot com for a couple weeks um, before they decided that they were going to meet in person. And when they finally did decide to meet in person, they agreed on meeting at um, a bar called Traffic Bar. And it was kind of like a hipster, trendy kind of bar that people in their 20s would, would frequent kind of a thing. Um, so before Katie went on this date, she got all ready and everything. And she, she kind of let people know where she was going. She let her parents know, her friends know. She kind of gave them the rundown of where they're going, what they were doing. They actually, um, she actually had a picture of him that she would show them. So then they would have some sort of an idea of what he looked like, which was a very smart thing for her to do, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, during their during their date, she actually sent a text message and said that everything was going fine and they were having a good time. And they, and she also sent them another photo while on the date. Um, so on their date, Katie and Carl, they were having a good time. They had some drinks and Carl ended up drinking a lot more than Katie mm -hmm. did and ended up getting sick and he was throwing up from having too much alcohol. Katie ended up, um, as the nice person she was, taking him back to mm -hmm. his hotel, which was Theobald Park Hotel, Hertfordshire. And it was a four-star hotel so he definitely was going with um you know <laughs> trying to show that he had money keep it up with motto. so they actually left the bar around 2 a.m and took a taxi to the hotel katie was the one who um ended up paying for it because she was better off than he <laughs> was he was you know he got sick in the taxi and threw up so she actually ended up having to pay extra um for that and they arrived at the hotel about 3.30 a.m. So this was actually on Christmas Eve when they got there. Katie, you know, she, you could tell she was drinking, but she wasn't like completely drunk. She was definitely, you know, making responsible decisions. And, you know, you could tell she was fine. Like she wasn't, you could tell she was relatively sober. She wasn't like completely drunk. On the other hand, he was visibly drunk, stumbling through the lobby and Carl was actually so drunk that Katie had to have the one of the ladies at the um, front desk help him to the room because she couldn't get him up there on um, his bad. own because he was not standing <laughs> and just stumbling all over the place. Yeah. And I would imagine probably falling down if he's to the point where he's vomiting. Yeah. And uh, about 30 minutes after they arrived, Katie did call down to ask for um, a couple of toothbrushes to be brought up to their room, um, which were brought up a short time later. And Katie was the one who answered the door. And that was actually um, the last time that she was seen alive. 
At some point in the early morning hours on Christmas Eve, Carl ended up strangling Katie. He ended up having sexual relations with her corpse. Um, after that, he did end up taking photos of her as well on his phone. Carl uh, wrapped her body in the duvet cover that was on the bed of the hotel. And he somehow found a laundry cart and put her in it and wheeled her to the door um, down the hall, which was actually a fire escape door. He got her out of that and dragged her down the stairs. And he dragged her out a good at least about 50 feet um, from where the hotel was, past like a garbage dumpster. And he actually kind of put her body in like a like a ditch on the on the backside of the property. It was like a tree line there, so it was covered up with like branches and, and leaves and stuff like that. Um, after he ended up disposing of her body, he went back to the hotel room and actually went back to sleep. Uh, there was reports that another hotel guest actually seen like a coat hanger in the door, like the fire escape door, like holding it open. Um, so there was reports that, you know, somebody noticed something odd. After waking up, Carl ate his breakfast and checked out of the hotel. Um, he returned home where he actually lived with his parents. Um, so he definitely lived a different life than mm -hmm. he presented himself to live. When he got home, he was seemed completely normal. Like his parents didn't notice anything was off. He just seemed like he had a normal day. He did not seem like he just murdered somebody. He went and took the dog for a walk. And at some point after he had checked out later on that day, the staff, when they went to clean the room, actually noticed that the duvet was missing. Um, I'm not sure they just assumed that they like stole the duvet or. Yeah. And they're not or, that small to be like folding up and putting in a suitcase. Yeah, that, it's pretty good of, size. Yeah. It's kind of a big <laughs> thing. Like it's not like they're like taking a towel or a robe or right. something. Um, the duvet is a pretty big thing. So I'm yeah. sure they probably would, you know, they probably thought that was odd and just kind of remembered that. Mm -hmm. And Christmas Eve, um, Katie was actually supposed to go and house it for one of her friends. And being that she didn't show up, they got a little concerned about it, knowing that she was on this date with this guy till, you know, late, late in the night, early morning, whatever you want to call it. Um, but she was on this date with this guy that she had just met their first date. So she got a little suspicious and decided to call her parents to find out if they heard from her or anything like that as they did not. Now everybody began to get very concerned. Since Katie actually gave her friends um, a text message with a photo in it and showed them a picture, you know, before she went on this date, stuff like that, they knew what he looked like. So they were able to track him down through his photo. Now, Bill, which is Katie's dad, actually went to the house where Carl had lived and his parents and um, went and knocked on the door and the mother answered the door. And he said, you know, basically your son was on a date with my daughter. She's missing. Do you know anything about it? And she said, no, he's not here. Let me call him. So she went ahead and called him on his cell phone as he was still walking the family dog. And she had asked him, you know, the dad's here for Katie. What's going on? Do you know where she's at? And he then just kind of blurted out that he was a monster and that he had killed her. At that point now, Carl's mother had to break the news to the dad to let him know 
that basically her son just murdered his daughter. So after the information was relayed to the dad, he actually called the police immediately, which that would be the most horrible feeling for a parent. I, I can only Yeah, you know, that would take imagine. me a bit to like believe <sighs> to that. Process. I'd be like, yeah. wait, what did you yeah. say? Like, I cannot imagine. Mm-mm. I wouldn't want to. So while um, Carl was still walking the family dog at the park, the police came and they actually arrested him and took him down to the police station. After he was taken into custody, he confessed everything, telling them what happened and where he had put her body. Uh, he also claimed that it was S&M gone wrong, that mm-hmm. um, they were playing like a sex game and you know things went awry and she accidentally died. But everybody who knew Katie, including her ex-boyfriends, ex-sexual partners, said that that's not something that she was into and that he was definitely you know lying about that that's not something you know she liked even with that there's code yeah there's code like words. rules to that yeah and you have you have a, a safety, safety procedures yeah, and the safety word and all that so I, I mean it could go wrong but yeah and i'm sure for something has. like that i don't know that i would participate and that was somebody i just met like that's something right. where you have to trust the other you person. have a lot of trust yeah there has to be trust there before mm-hmm. you could participate in or it could you know, S&M. go bad fast yeah and yeah there's no coming back from that carl had a very manipulative and um controlling personality he was also a very persuasive liar the time frame that he was talking with Katie on the Plenty of Fish site, he was also talking to approximately 20 other women um, on different dating sites as well. So not just Plenty of Fish, but he was using other platforms to talk to these other women. Um, but my thought is, is why did he choose her? Why did he pick Katie opposed to one of the other women to strangle? I guess we'll never, never know. Or well, maybe it's just luck of the draw. That's the one he happened to be meeting and decided to go through with. Yeah. And the liquor probably played a big part into it too. Drinking more than he should have. I played a big part into it. So during the questioning at the PlayStation, um, they found out that he had a long history of mental illness. He had some sort of like a personality disorder, which he actually told a psychiatric nurse prior that he had um, wanted to cut somebody's throats and that he wanted to um, have sex with them and take pictures of them as well after he's seen the naked body and stuff. So he just had, he had some deep-seated issues there. Um, that was um, an ex-girlfriend's younger yes. sister, actually, that he had fantasized about. Yeah. So Carl was tried at St. Albans Crown Court and the atmosphere was, you know, very tense. Uh, Katie's family was there, and they were, you know, very emotional and upset, understandably. Carl claimed that he didn't attack Katie before, that he just, like, started strangling her and just continued until she was dead. So she didn't really have, like, a warning. And she just kind of strangled her. And, mm. you know, there was... She could do, I'm sure. Yeah. Not a lot she could do, but probably get out of that situation, unfortunately. And he actually said that 
you know, he didn't know why he did it. He didn't know what came up over him. And he actually pled guilty during the trial to the murder of Katie. And in 2016, he was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 26 years served. I know just kind of, of reading a little bit about personality disorders and stuff like that. A lot of them, they're very, they're very spontaneous and very violent. So, I mean, this could have been one that he was favoring was this type of a personality. Carl was serving his sentence in a maximum security Wakefield um, prison that was in West Yorkshire. Uh, when he was found, actually slumped over and covered in blood in a single cell so they knew that there was nobody else in the cell that could have committed harm to him um, the prison staff tried to resuscitate him with no luck um, so they actually called for an ambulance to take him to a nearby hospital and he was actually pronounced dead on arrival so on thursday february 11th of 2021 at the age of 30 carl died by suicide so today there are over 1400 dating apps and sites for people to use with over 7 million people using dating apps or sites in the uk alone online dating could also be a playground for predators and dating services don't have a legal duty to remove dangerous users so you definitely have to be careful mm -hmm. when you know on an online dating site and there is a um, law that's Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act here in the United States. And that actually helps to provide immunity to, you know, internet companies, not just dating sites, from liability of what their users are doing, which is kind of like a double-edged sword. So mm -hmm. you don't have to, like, you know, they aren't liable for things that, you know, people think they should be liable for. But at the same time, if they didn't have something protecting them, would they even be there at all? Or, you know, they'd be out of business probably. Or they probably at least have something in their terms that basically mm -hmm. said the same thing. So, and it's, it's funny because a lot of these companies don't want to collect Certain information. certain information, like private, like personal information for people, because they say that they're not in the business of using that information, but that's what their business is. So it's kind of, you know, catch 2022. 20, so while you are on dating sites, always make sure that you read the terms and conditions before you accept them. It's, it's usually stated on the sites that the safety and well-being of, um, the, the people that are potentially signing up for these sites, that they take that very seriously and that they urge caution, whether they're meeting the person online or whether they're meeting them in person for the first time, whether it's on the internet or not, they always kind of warn them to be very cautious. And they also can't guarantee, you know, people's actions, obviously, whether they're online or not. Right. We have compiled some safety tips for anyone who you know is participating in online dating and a lot of these actually pertain to you know other things outside of dating online just either being on the internet or just in general um when you're out and about um some of these we found on the internet which we'll have you know linked to their sources and some of these you know are ones that we've 
you know, thought of or used on our own? Yeah, number one would be do your research. Very, very important. Make sure you do your research. Google search them or use other other sites where you can kind of look people up, like been verified and, and just different things like that that would have information on people so you can kind of see and get like a clear picture of who they really are. Do image searches, you know, and, and Facebook or what have you, if they have any social media stuff, you know, do searches for that to see how they actually live their life and and you get to see a little bit more on their personal side. But don't be a stalker. There's a difference. There's a thin line, thin line of um, doing your research and being a stalker. Though. Um, number two would be use a Google voice number. So it's used similarly to like a phone number, but it's not your actual phone number. So you could talk to somebody without um, giving out your actual phone number and you could you know, block people on there easily as well. Um, number three would be do not give out too much personal information. Um, don't give them exact locations of where you work, where you live, family, friends, any of that kind of stuff. So just be very, very vague when you're, when you're giving them information on it. And don't communicate off the dating site. So if you keep your communications on the dating site, the site could actually look it up if there's a problem and you need to report it so they'll be able to you know access those conversations and be able to see that this person was harassing you or anything like that if you do it you know off the dating site they really can't hold that person liable um, because they can't you know they don't have the information to be able to you know take them off or mm -hmm. you know do what they need to do on their end Next is talk to them on the phone before you actually go on a date. That way you can kind of hear their voice, hear how they sound. Sometimes you can pick up on little cues um, of how they're talking, what they're saying, some some things that they're saying, maybe like, mm, that sounds a little off, then you may want to rethink your, your thoughts. Um, and when you're talking to somebody on the phone, they don't have time to think, like as if they were sending you a message. They have time to actually think. Or if you're talking to them, they have to be able to answer Pretty much right away. Number six, a video chat before meeting. Um, this allows you to kind of verify that they are, you know, who they say they are. It's a lot harder to, you know, change yourself into video chat than it is like to Photoshop a photo or to use someone else's photo. You know, if you're video chatting, you can't use somebody else. Can't be catfish that way. Yeah, you're less likely to get catfish if you've seen them on video. Another important one is drive yourself uh, to the date site or take public transportation. This way you have the option if things are going wrong, you can leave at any time. Um, they won't see, you know, where you're coming from. They won't see where your house is. Um, if they come to pick you up at your house, then you're, you're, they have your all your information at that point so meet up in a public place preferably during the day that way you have you know other people around and if you need to get out of the situation it's easier to do so in a public place and if they were to try something and you alerted other people around you um, they would they're more likely to give up and during the daytime you know when there's more people out and people could see you more clearly there people are less likely to 
try and you know pull something on you during the day where they're not under the cover of night yeah because more people i think would react during the day than they would at night mm. yeah. mm -hmm. and make sure that you tell somebody um the details of your date like where you're going who you're going with if you have a photo of them make sure that you you know share that with the with them um, share as much information with the person you're going on the date with as possible just in case something does happen they do have something that they can fall back on and try to help locate you or you know at least give description of who you're going on the date with and with that contact them when you get home so they know that you're fine or have a time that you know you have to contact them by mm -hmm. or like throughout the date just mm -hmm. send a quick text you know, one word, okay, you know, I'm good or whatever, like you know, code word, code word yeah. Even one word mm -hmm. can get out of the situation. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, number 10, stay sober. If you drink too much, you're more vulnerable to somebody who might want to attack you. So if you're sober, you're more likely to be able to get out of a situation and to, you know, be able to think more cognitively. You don't want to be in a bad situation when you're, you know, drunk and unable to react as quickly to a situation. Number 11, carry a safety device like pepper spray or one of those keychain alarms, something that is going to alert somebody that, you know, that you may need assistance. And it's also a good idea to make sure you know how to use that item before you're in that situation where you, you need it. So whether you have to, you know, have a second pepper spray just to try it to see make sure you know how to to work it or the make sure that the that the keychain has a battery in it and it's working so it's always good to um, have one and make sure it works and that you know how to use it and it's somewhere where you could grab it quickly yes very important too number 12 always be aware of your surroundings if you're in a building know where your exits are if you're you know outdoors know where you could go to get out of a situation just kind of be aware of what's going on around you and the people around you you know kind of you know see if there's somebody there that you can maybe go to to help with you know a, situ a bad situation also it might not be a bad idea to have you know somebody that you trust around there so that way if something did happen they could be there to mm -hmm. kind of back you up and get you out of that situation a lot more quickly mm -hmm. also set up um like an sos on your phone uh, most phones um, you're able to set a set up an sos on there and it, it can record video it can send pictures it sends location of where you are at at the time of of your emergency so that is, is a good thing to have and always practice it. Make sure that you practice and let everybody know before you send it though, but let them know that you're gonna practice, make sure you know how to do it. Cause it's 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 very easy to do and it's may save your life. Yeah, and you can always find that through your settings somewhere or just search online how to set up uh, the SOS on the type of phone that you have. I'm sure each one's different. Oh, yeah. Number 14, never go to a second location. Once you get to a second location, it's harder to control a situation, especially if the second location is somewhere that you're not familiar with, or they could tell you they're, that they're gonna take you to a certain location and take you actually to a different location that you're, you know, you don't know where you're at. It, 
you could they could also take you to a situation where they have other people there that you don't know and you definitely don't want to end up in a situation in a group of people that you don't know or trust mm -hmm. bad things happen mm -hmm. you don't know people's intentions yes mm -hmm. also never send money give bank and uh, bank account information don't send any kind of gift cards to anybody um nobody that you're just meeting online should be giving you this kind of personal information or asking you for it i mean it's there's usually no good intent when they're when they're asking for private information such as that yeah that's a major red flag mm -hmm. and the last one we have is don't assume you're safe just because you've taken precautions so just because you've taken precautions doesn't mean you could let your guard down you still just you know be aware of your situations like katie she took you know plenty of precautions mm -hmm. beforehand but she you know still ended up in a situation that got her killed and unfortunately you know you just have to be very careful and just because you feel that you've done everything right doesn't mean that you are completely safe mm -hmm. anything can happen to anybody at any given time mm -hmm. so you just have to plan and and hope for the best yes you never know what's out there mm -hmm. thank you for listening to crime night you can find our sources on our website listed in the podcast description you can also find us on facebook and youtube under crime night podcast please join us every other wednesday at 6 p.m central good, good night, night.